Hi, welcome to our message for this week. We've been talking about the things that can keep us from seeing what God is up to in our lives. What are the parts of this life that blind us from eternal life? Two weeks ago, we talked about how we're sometimes blinded by legalism. Last week, we talked about being blinded by materialism. Today, we're going to talk about being blinded by ambition. Our text comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verses 35 through 45. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to Jesus and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What is it that you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They replied, We are able. Then Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink you will drink, and with the baptism with which I am baptized you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the ten heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Let us pray. God, forgive us for the ways that we try to put ourselves first. Forgive us for the ways that we have pulled ourselves up over other people. Lord, teach us to be servants. Help us to lead in this world by serving even the least of these. For in serving the least of these, we have served you. Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Well, this passage always takes me back to my personal testimony, if you'll indulge, indulge me for a few minutes. For as long as I can remember, I've wanted to be successful. I wanted to make it big. I had plans of getting to the top, of being the very best. I have a long history, too, of coming up just short. Dates all the way back to my teenage years. I remember when I was in youth group growing up. I grew up in our youth group called United Methodist Youth Fellowship, UMYF. And, oh, I wanted to be president of the group so badly because I wanted success. I wanted to be at the top. I made it to vice president, but never, never elected president. They never gave me that honor. I had the same experience in high school with the National Honor Society. I made it to vice president, but couldn't quite get over the line to president. In my high school graduation, I just missed the podium. I had the highest grade point average of anybody that didn't get to give a speech at graduation. There was a valedictorian, salutatorian, and then me. Uh, also in high school, I was the first alternate on a full scholarship. A scholarship would have paid 100% of my educational expenses. I was the first alternate. And I was there at graduation to watch one of my fellow students take away that scholarship. 
Well, finally, when I answered the call to ministry, I began to see some success. I did finally actually graduate first in my seminary class, magna cum laude. So I thought, I'm on the way. I was certain that I was finally on the path to greatness. I had found my way to success. It seemed to me in those times that the shortest path to success was to become a church planner. That's what I'd witnessed. Uh, One of my colleagues, about the age that I am, Started a started a church from scratch. It's called Clear Branch United Methodist Church uh, over on the other side of Birmingham. He started from scratch and quickly grew to three hundred and then five hundred and then a thousand and then over two thousand people. Well, that pastor was the rock star at annual conference. Everybody wanted to hang out with him. Everybody wanted to learn from him. He was getting to teach seminars on how to plant churches and how to grow churches. And he was living the life that I was absolutely certain that I wanted. And so I figured the the quickest way to success, the fastest path for me to get to greatness was to be a church planner. Every time they ask what kind of appointment I'd like to serve, I said, I want to start a church. I want to start a church. Well, you should be careful what you pray for. Uh, You might get it. I pursued my dream relentlessly. I got myself in the right positions for it to be fulfilled. Finally, I got it. In 1999, I was appointed to 14 and a half acres of land with a house and a barn. No members, just my family and me and told to go out and start from scratch. I was on top of the world. This is what I dreamed for. This is what I prayed for. Finally, I was going to get my piece of the pie. I was going to prove that I was, uh, that I was one of the top folks. I had my path to success, but church planning was much harder than I ever imagined. Oddly, not everyone wants to be in on the ground floor of a new movement. I poured my heart and my soul into it, day and night. I said that it was because I wanted to win people to Christ. That was my argument to the world, and I even did my best to convince myself of that, that I was doing all of this sacrifice to win people to Christ. In reality, I confess to you now that I wanted to be a success. I wanted the acclaim that went with building a 2,000-member church. I wanted to be great. And we did a lot of good. We had some incredible mission work in our time at that church, some stuff that I will always celebrate. But the success that I looked for never came. Our attendance never got over 100. Uh, After five years, I had to move away from the church not because I didn't love it anymore, not because they didn't love me. I had to move away because we never got financially strong enough to cover my salary. A few, a few years after that, that church closed. I desired greatness. In fact, I risked everything for greatness during that five years. I felt like a failure. I quite frankly came to hate Clear Branch. It stood for everything I couldn't do. It was a reminder of my failure. Uh, Every time I was at a meeting at Clear Branch, I just felt smaller and smaller. An abject failure. Uh, Adam Hamilton and I happen to be the same age. We've been in ministry for about the same length of time. 
you can only imagine what that fact did to my psyche, what it did to my un unmet ambitions. Uh, this weekend, Adam Hamilton will preach to probably 35,000 people. And uh, I recently got to worship with him uh, at Church of the Resurrection in Kansas City. And for a long time, even that was hard because I wanted to know what I did wrong to not do that. I was worshiping success. I can really sympathize with James and John. They really did risk everything to follow Jesus. They put it all on the line for greatness. They walked away from their family business. They literally walked away and left their dad sitting in the boat so that they could follow Jesus. Wow, I mean, you talk about somebody who's chasing a dream. Left, left daddy sitting in the boat. And this was their shot at greatness. They went to Jesus with a request. Do for us whatever we ask. And Jesus said, what do you want? They said, we want to sit at your right hand and at your left hand when you come into your kingdom. In other words, we want to rule with you. The positions at the right and the left of a ruler were the most powerful positions in the kingdom. And so they wanted to rule with Jesus. With Jesus. They wanted to be the the vice presidents, so to speak, princes in the new kingdom. Uh, we're calling dibs on the top spots is what they were saying. They wanted all their sacrifice to turn into success. They had given up everything. Now they wanted everything in return. But what if success is not the goal? What if making it to the top of the ladder is not the ultimate victory? Jesus responds that in this world, tyrants flaunt their authority and rulers lord it over people. But it shall not be so among you. Jesus has a different idea of a world order, one that's not guided by success and power in the traditional sense. But instead, he says, whoever wants to be the greatest among you must be the least. The leader of all must be the servant of all. For Jesus' life is not about getting ahead. It's not about finishing first. It's not about getting to the top of the ladder. It's not about the corner office. It's not about the biggest title. Instead, it's about taking a towel and washing feet. It was a rude awakening. God didn't call me to be successful. God called me to be faithful. And there's a difference. Success is about me. Faithfulness is about God. God didn't call me to be successful. He called me to be faithful. I tried to tell myself that I was doing ministry to save the world. But too often I was doing it to get the seat of honor. I wanted to sit at the right or the left. Well, I went from my church plant to Rainbow City first. And I thought my career was back on track. It was just going to be a different path to success. I made it uh, out of that church plant to a first United Methodist Church. Now, it wasn't the largest one, but it was still a first church. And so I was certain that I was back on track. My star was rising again. Everything was going to be okay. I served five years there, had wonderful ministry. But then God and the bishop put me in a three-point charge in a town of 409 people. We didn't have a traffic light. I served three churches 
Two of them, every Sunday morning I preached at. One Sunday a month, I preached at all three. Uh, went from chasing success to a three-point charge. When my colleagues heard where I was going, they literally asked me what I had done wrong. They assumed that going from a first church to a three-point charge meant that I had somehow failed or angered the bishop or God or somebody, and that just really wasn't the case. But it was in that three-point charge. It was while serving those three churches. It was when I gave up my quest for greatness that I rediscovered the joy of ministry. When I laid down my dreams of making it to the top, I discovered incredible joy in serving God right where I am. When I let loose of my aspirations for greatness, I discovered what Jesus meant and the power of serving. I fell in love with ministry, not the career, but the calling. For too much of my career, I was blinded by ambition. I had to learn that God loves faithfulness more than success. I had to learn to pray this prayer that I learned from John Wesley. Will you pray it with me? I am no longer my own, but thine. Put me to what thou wilt. Rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed by thee or laid aside for thee. Exalted for thee, or brought low for thee. Let me be full, let me be empty. Let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thou art mine and I am thine, so be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen.